the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are in 1 Timothy, and in 1 Timothy, at least up to the 10th verse or 11th verse, Paul is giving Timothy his charge, his disciple, if you will. He is giving him the charge concerning the church in Ephesus, the Ephesian church. And that church had been infiltrated by false teachers. Now, as we mentioned last week, This went on wherever Paul taught. And one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that the early church, the early church, the very early church, didn't have a New Testament. And the New Testament, the teaching that they had was their New Testament. So Paul would come to them and articulate what Father had put in his heart, what the Spirit of God had put forth through him, And that was the word for them. And it says in in Acts, the very early church, they gave themselves to the teaching of the disciples, the apostles. They gave themselves to the fellowship and to the teaching of the apostles. And that was the study of the word for them. That's where they invested themselves. So much so that it became home to them, a second home to them. So what Paul's doing is he's literally going out there, he's being the word to all of these new churches, and the enemy is right on his heels. And it's real big for the enemy because what Paul is teaching is new covenant. What Paul is teaching is that Jesus has come and made a way for you to have a new life, to be born again. Literally to become a spiritual being and to be in union with himself and to be perfectly acceptable before God. To find acceptance in the presence of God. And that is huge for the for those who would believe. And the enemy is coming along behind him and saying, oh, no, no, it's not just a matter of, of believing, but faith, of grace. It's a matter of you keeping the law. It's a matter of you doing one thing or another. And they would distort this truth. They would somehow take it, take grace out of it. They would take faith out of it. 
and they would make it a work of man. So what Paul is doing, he, he had just finished his first imprisonment in Rome, and he is going back and he's revisiting all of these churches that uh, he discipled. And he gets to Ephesus, and lo and behold, the enemy is there. And he's got these false teachers in there that are teaching that they, these people need to follow the law. They're teaching some kind of distortion. And, and Paul doesn't give us a real clear picture of what that is. But as we said last week, we don't need to understand the lie. We need an intimate acquaintance with the truth. So we know what the truth is, and we don't need to know necessarily what the lie was. The one thing we do know is that this false teaching was some kind of distortion that placed great emphasis on the law, uh, the Mosaic teaching. And that's evident in the verses that we studied last week where Paul describes these false teachers and their doctrines. That's in uh, chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. He writes about the false teacher, he says, wanting to be teachers of the law of Moses, even though they do not understand the terms they use or the subjects about which they make such confident declarations. Now, we know without any doubt that the law is good if one uses it lawfully and appropriately, understanding the fact that the law is not enacted for the righteous person, the one in right standing with God. And then he goes on to describe those whom, for whom the law was written in the remainder of verse 9 and 10. And that's where we left off at verse 11 last week. Today we're going to start in verse 12, and we're going to work our way to verse 17, as the Lord allows. It is very, very important that we follow Paul's line of thought here that we follow the context of what he's saying. Because as we'll see later on in our text, if you don't follow the context, the line of thought, you could come away with some pretty distorted ideas about what Paul's trying to, to teach here. Paul has come into this and he has talked about the false teachers. And he he's decided that I, he wants to give a word of testimony, a word of thanksgiving. It starts in verse 12, and it can almost seem like Paul has made a departure from his talking about the false teachers, and, and he's now just giving a word of testimony and thanksgiving. But what I want you to see is that actually it's a continuation. There is really no pause in what Paul is thinking. Paul has already pointed out that these false teachers have a distorted view of the law, they have distorted the purpose of the law, and they had taught that righteousness could be attained through the law. And Paul answers that distortion in verse 9 that I just read for you. It says, the law is not enacted for the righteous person. And the one thing we know about the children of the Lord, the people who've come by faith into Christ, is that we are made righteous. That is, in right standing with God. This is not a matter of our behavior. This is a matter of birth. We are born into righteousness in the new birth. So the law is not for the born again. The law is not for the Christian. 
Now, Paul is going to illustrate the proper use of the law and the glory of God's grace through his own testimony. The story of Paul's conversion from Saul, the uh, Pharisee, the relentless persecutor of the church, to Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, is repeated in one form or another six times in the New Testament. And Paul was, I won't say he was proud, but he saw it as his privilege to tell of the marvelous grace that had been afforded him because of where he had come and where he was at. He looked forward to unveil the truth of the grace that he had. He would never lose his passion, his wonder, his determined thankfulness for the grace afforded him. It was his mantra, it was his delight and his ministry to give testimony to God's grace concerning him. No matter where Paul went, or what he was going through, or whatever he faced, he faced it with a thankful spirit, with a thankful heart. As he writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Whatever you do, he says, whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, you say, well, what's that got to do with it? This is in light of his recognition of the grace of God. He is really grateful to be out there in the ministry of Christ, attended by the life of Christ and the presence of Christ, the joy of Christ, the protection of Christ, the truth of Christ that held him together. He is walking in that, knowing that he was in the plan of God, knowing that he would only exit this earth to go into glory with Christ. And that the only death he'll ever know is in the body. Now, no matter what he faced, no matter what came at him, he saw it through his eyes of grace. He saw it in the context of the grace that was afforded him. That's how he could give thanks. That's how he could be grateful. And, you know, a guy that... that Probably a poor illustration, but a guy that's had a car absolutely blow up on him doesn't complain a whole lot when he gets a flat tire, you know? So, you know, he th- this is Paul. He, is, he has lost it all for the sake of Christ because Christ is so much better. What he has in Christ is so much better. The life of the Christian must be lived in thanksgiving. And that's out of an awareness of the abundance of grace afforded us or we'll never experience the abundant life because the abundance of life is given and known through his grace. I was saved fairly early, nine years old. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I remember it. I couldn't tell you who all was there apart from my parents. I couldn't tell you that the clouds parted and the Shekinah glory came down upon the place. I couldn't tell you that it was some kind of miraculous, uh, glorious scene, but I know what I didn't see outside, I saw inside of me. 
I saw the truth of Christ. I was made aware of his presence. I had a release in me. And though I didn't fully understand all that was true, I, uh, that was true at that time, I knew something had changed. I had come into to knowing Christ as more than just my Savior. Well, as I've gone through life, that initial recognition has been part of every recognition since. Every time that I've seen his grace towards me, I've seen the same Jesus that lifted me up out of sin and selfishness and gave me salvation. The exact same Jesus. Every time that I've seen his salvation, it's been a reflection of him, the Savior, who actually saved me. Every time I've seen his provision, it's been a reflection of the provision that he made for me through eternity. So the picture of eternal salvation is part of the landscape of all that I know about my God. And now I go through life experiencing that grace over and over again. And that grace allows me to be thankful no matter what I face. Because though I may not be feeling thankful at the time, all I need to do is look upon the truth within me and I can say, I am blessed. Even when life has really gone nutso on me, I have been blessed. I am walking with him. I am never alone. I have life that will never end. I have a joy that is not in my circumstances. I have a peace that passes all understanding. I have the protection of the Almighty God upon me. I have his anointing to go forward in truth. I am blessed beyond measure, and I recognize that blessing as a person. That is Jesus. The same Jesus that saved a nine-year-old little boy. We are the, the abundant life through experience, if we do not walk in the context of grace that has been afforded us, if we do not have an awareness of his grace. And you know, thanks, thankfulness, thanksgiving is born out of an awareness of his grace. I think I've told this before. We went to uh, uh, His Hill Comfort, and we were there, this is many years ago, we were there to hear Major Ian Thomas speak who was the founder of Torchbearers, and had a real influence on me early on. And when he spoke, he was in his 90s. In fact, my youngest son is named after him. But when he spoke, he was in his, I think, late 90s, you know. And he stood before and he started telling his, his testimony and how the Lord had brought him into truth, you know. And he talked about the time when he was alone and he came to his knees and he began to cry out to the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and brought him into the fullness of truth and his voice cracked and tears welled up in his eyes and I thought that was probably 70 years ago but the touch is so real the passion is so real because the Savior is so real and he knows him. And he has 90 plus years of experience of walking with him. 
of knowing his, his love and his tenderness. And what's more, he's going to know it forever, for eternity. He left that body behind. It was worn out anyway. And he entered into the fullness of all that he had in Christ Jesus. And I thought, sitting there watching him, I thought, man, I hope I never lose that. I hope that I can always know at the center of my being with conviction and passion the grace that's been afforded me. I hope I never take that for granted. I hope I never become complacent and set it aside as though it were worth nothing or worth less than what I had my focus on. I hope that I have my embrace on that truth the whole of my life. Let's begin... By reading our text, uh, if you have your Bibles, open them to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I'll be reading verses 12 through 17. Starting at verse 12, Paul writes, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has granted me the needed strength and made me able for this, because he considered me faithful and trustworthy, putting me into service for, his, for this ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer of our Lord and a persecutor of his church and a, a shameful and outrageous and violent aggressor towards believers. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord His amazing unmerited favor and blessing flowed out in super abundance for me together with faith and love which which are realized in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful and trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance and approval that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost. Yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost of sinners Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example or pattern for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king of the ages, eternal, immortal, invisible, and the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul begins with thanksgiving to Christ Jesus. And that's in present tense, which means more than I thank you. It means I am forever thanking. I live in the context of my thankfulness. It was his determination to recognize with a grateful heart the source of grace in his life. And Paul is telling us, it is the person of Christ who granted me this. It, is, it was given, not earned by me. It's not maintained by me, but given freely. It was Christ who strengthened him. That is, Christ in his strength, not just portioning strength out to Paul. But Paul is speaking about living in and from the supernatural enabling of Christ's life within. He writes in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, he says, I can do all things which he has called me to do 
Through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. That is the voice of experience. That is the voice of faith in truth. And it's not Paul bragging like some pro-boxer. It's Paul declaring the truth of his life. He says, this I have found to be true. I have absolute confidence in this fact. That my life consists more of more than the frailty of my body and the circumstances that surround me. My life is secure in Christ's life. And it is unassailable, untouchable, unmovable. It is my life. And so Paul talks about the strength of God. And he isn't like so many Christians on his knees praying, Lord, give me strength. He is saying, I have Christ who is my strength. He is my strength. I don't need to ask for a special portion of it. Christ has all the strength that I need. I don't need to ask for more because he has fully enabled me, fully equipped me, fully blessed me for whatever he has for me to do. And frankly, anything that isn't what he has me to do isn't worth doing. So I don't care whether I get any strength there or not. The reality of it is, I am walking in the truth that his strength will carry me forward in whatever he has in his plan. We are enabled to live in his plan, in his will. Nothing is required of us apart from the enabling of Christ. Nothing is required of us apart from the enabling of Christ. Everything that God has purposed in our lives... For him, everything that he has purposed for us to do is the exercise of Christ's strength. That's what it's about. God doesn't choose you because you're strong. God doesn't choose you because you're good. God doesn't choose you because you're smart. If that were all true, I wouldn't be up here. God chooses you because you're his. That's why he chooses you, because he has placed in you the life. And through that life, he is going to show you the abundance of living from him as your source. Your life is supernatural if you're a child of God. Paul is telling them that Christ enabled him or made him able to minister, to endure, to bring forth the word of God. And Paul is saying, apart from Christ, I could do nothing. Period. Does that sound familiar? Apart from Christ, I could do nothing. But guess what? If you're a child of God, you will never be apart from Christ. You are fully enabled for his plan. Paul would say, wow. What amazing grace that Christ would enable me this way. Paul writes in Ephesians, Ephesians 3.8, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, God's people, this grace, which is 
undeserved was graciously given me to proclaim the, to the Gentiles the good news of the incomprehensible riches of Christ, that spiritual wealth which no one can fully understand. We can't comprehend it. It's a wealth so great that even through eternity we'll never know the height, the depth, the length of it. And why is it that we can cast it aside in this life? Why is it that we can look upon it as though it was a a widow's might? How is it that we can count the things of this flesh more valuable than the things that God has given us in the Spirit? says that he has given me the incomprehensible riches of Christ. He says that he has given me and enabled me for ministry and service for him. Why? But why? He asked that question. And it says there, because of his grace, he considered me faithful and trustworthy. Now, that's not Paul bragging. He is recounting his own wonder at the grace of God that would count him as faithful and trustworthy and put Paul in his service. Now, notice that Paul was chosen and placed by God in his service. That is, by God's grace, he was chosen. By God's grace, he was enabled. By God's grace, he was made faithful and trustworthy. This is not an achievement of his character. This is the life of Christ in him. The character of Christ in him. And God looked upon him in grace and said, You have my trustworthiness. You have my faithfulness. We're not even going to talk about yours because it's not worth mentioning. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas 78006.